stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my mom? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. This is episode 192 of the Unholy Mofos. We are back after a three-week break. Our first little uh, three-week break in quite a while. Yeah, yeah uh, some some things occurred. We're not going to say it over the air, but, you know, thing, things happened. I mean, man, we've been pretty much on schedule consistently for almost a year now. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh well, it is bound to happen. But we're back. We're here to talk about some creep show and creep show too. It's a double feature of some Romero and Stephen King. Yeah, there are a couple of movies I had never seen. Oh, I've seen the second one because it's always on fucking streaming. But the first one, I don't understand why that's never on anything. <laughs> yeah, the <clears throat> first time I saw it was on streaming. It was like probably uh. A decade ago on Netflix, at least, but uh, 
And I know why it's not anymore. <sighs> Who knows? It, it's probably on fucking HBO Max right now. Yeah, probably. We watch them. We'll give you our thoughts later. Let's get the usual shit out of the way. What's first, Scott? So, yes, um, yes. to recap last week's uh, matchups, we had Nev Campbell against Allison Bree. Allison won 4 to 1. Ooh, <laughs> I think I was probably that one, if I recall right. Meh, meh, meh. And next one was Laura Dern against Linda Hamilton from 91. And Linda won 3 to nothing. Okay. And Shannon Elizabeth against Liv Tyler. This one was a close one at Shannon with 3 to 2. Mm-hmm. Then the final matchup of round one, Jada Pinkett Smith against Jennifer Love Hewitt. And Jennifer won four to one. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Why? <clears throat> okay. Again, a little mad at Jada for cheating on Will, man. You know, it it is what it is. Not anything that we can control. I I guess, but still. Still, man, that's, that's, yeah, it is messed up. So, we're moving on to round two now. Would you like to hear the first matchup? Yes, please. We got it. With our first round by Carrie Ann Moss against Shawnee Smith. Okay. Let's see. Well, Carrie Ann Moss was pretty damn hot in the Matrix movies, and uh, otherwise, I think she's just kind of average looking and everything else so shawnee and uh, that's gonna go double for me i think shawnee is still rocking it i mean from the blob all the way up to fucking anger management like i mean she's she still looks good yes yes all right so next matchup chloe (laughs) grace moretz against danielle harris Ooh. Hmm. Well, I'm going to give it to Danielle Harris because, well, I have actually have seen her in person. So that gives me a edge. And, uh, well, we've seen her boobies in some movies, too. So, yeah, Danielle Harris. All right. Well, uh, that's that's two things we can agree on. You know, I uh, there's just something about her. It's that that rocker emo type chick persona that she has. And, uh, yeah, she's like. In her 40s, and still pretty damn good looking, too. All right. Next matchup, we have Courtney Cox against Marissa Tomei. Well, around the same age, but Marissa obviously hasn't had any work done. So, Marissa. God damn. <laughs> we agree on everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, just another one who's aged really well and who accepted it. Courtney. Right. And the final matchup of round two, well, this round, um, we have Jamie Lee Curtis against Natalie Portman. Hmm. And are we we still going, like, Jamie Lee, like, 81, 82? I guess we could, yeah. Uh, Hmm. You know, Natalie is hot, but, yeah, I like a lot more of uh, Jamie's movies. And Natalie, so I can't give that edge to her, so I'm going to go with Jamie. 
Well, it's finally our first <laughs> tiebreaker. <laughs> About time. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm going Natalie on this one, so you know, it, there's not it's nothing against Jamie. She's you know amazing, but I mean, look at Natalie. Yeah, I mean, I just guess. just look at her. <laughs> so, all right, that'll close out the round first second round of four. I guess I guess you're wanting the next round matchups. Next uh, poll. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm calling it. Poll. <laughs> poll. <laughs> I don't know why I keep I keep referring it to it as a round. I'm a dumbass. Well, with uh, the second polls by week, we had Jennifer Lawrence, and she's gonna be going up against Scarlett Johansson. Ooh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Then we have Adrian Barbeau against Alexander Daddario. Mm-hmm. Mary Elizabeth Winstead against Gillian Anderson. Okay. Catherine Isabel against Drew Barrymore. I see a few <laughs> easy matchups in there for me. It's uh, that's gonna be an interesting one next next <laughs> time around. That's for sure. All right, Jake, what do you got for me? Oh my god, dude, I'm freaking out. I am so stressed out. I feel like I'm having a panic attack. You want to talk about stress? You want to talk about stress? Okay? I've stumbled onto a major company conspiracy pack. How about that for stress? What the hell are you talking about? Scott almost swears we've done this before, but I don't know if we have, honestly. So, uh, yeah, tell us, one listener, if we have done this before or not. <laughs> if you remember, because, yeah, our memories obviously ain't that good. Oh, this is about the Denver International Airport. And I know what you may be asking. What kind of weird shit can you find from an airport? Well, according to this article, there's a lot of them. So, first one is, it was built by the New World Order. So Okay. There's a theory that's saying that their runways are built to resemble a swastika from above. Um, I I remember seeing that. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what goes on with the uh, building plans of when you're building an airport, but what do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I remember seeing, you know, one when I was in school. We, uh, I freaking, I don't remember what I saw it on, but I remember seeing an airport that had an actual swastika on it, and I, I just... I don't know if it's built specifically like that, or if it was just, like, one of those things, like, oh, you know, uh, you know, this... Yeah, uh, I, I, I just don't know. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's a strange one. So, another one is that uh, there's a sculpture of a horse near it, and apparently it's a nod to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. What I'm just thinking is that, well, this is in Denver, and, uh, well, we know it's in Denver, right? Um, no. The Broncos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I wonder if that's what it's about. I mean, I don't know. I mean, could be a stretch, but could something about being about the four horsemen be a stretch as well? I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's probably more of a stretch than the other one. Okay, <laughs> and I guess there's something about... The Illuminati as well. There's a, apparently a time capsule buried on a property which bears symbols from the Freemasons who are linked to the Illuminati. 
I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I, yeah, I know some people who are Freemasons, and, and of course, I know some uh, crazy people who are completely against the Freemasons. And uh, I, I don't know too much about Freemasons, but I do know crazy people are crazy, so. Yeah, yeah if, if any of it's true, you know, that's quite interesting. If not, then, you know, it's just another fucking whatever. And I guess there's also something about Illuminati money, which was used to finish the construction exchange for the secret society using the property. And of course, there's also underground tunnels in this place, and I guess underground tunnels will give a lot of people some crazy theories, but apparently people are believing that these tunnels have underground bunkers for the apocalypse. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you always hear about uh, secret underground tunnels, you know. I mean, if uh, there is an apocalypse coming, you know, they want to protect the rich. And people like us will be F'd in the A. Whatever. Oh, it says right here, apparently, there's a possibility that these uh, bunkers were built by lizard people or aliens. <laughs> Yeah, I think okay. that's that's what we talked about before, the lizard people. Yeah, maybe. And then uh, there's something about the artwork that's featured in there. And I, I just do got to say, maybe this has some merit to it, because the artwork in this, from what I see in the pictures, is fucking weird. So this one they have right here is like a picture of a freaking Nazi guy, I think, with a... Machine gun and a sword and like standing above some uh, poor villagers. It looks like. I mean, yeah, that's got that's kind of a weird thing to put in an airport. You gotta admit. Yeah. And I guess there's gargoyles in these places too, and uh, I guess there's theories that they're providing clues about the end of the world. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Too many damn conspiracy theories out there about that shit. Just live your life. Yeah. Uh, Stan, you still listen? You ever heard about any of this shit, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Stan's been listening. Uh, yeah. Well, hey. when, when was the last time he fucking wrote in? Like three years ago? Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you go, Stan? Did you get got... I don't, I don't even think I've seen him post on Facebook much these days either. Standard, have you disappeared? <laughs> Craig, tell us, what's happened to your brother, man? Uh, fun times. Right. Well, all right, so. that's all I could find right there. It's, it's interesting stuff. But again, that's all probably a big old stretch. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Ah! I mean, shit went down last few weeks. We've been gone, and uh, uh, let's start with a big one. One that's uh, come out of nowhere last night. Definitely caught a shit ton of people by surprise. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Black Panther's dead, people. Shadwick Boseman, dead at 43. A four-year battle with colon cancer, and... I don't think anybody knew about that at all. I didn't even know he was 43. I had a feeling he was around that age range, but 
But man, craziest thing to think about is four years. And four years ago, he made his debut in the MCU with Civil War. So that means he was battling this when he was filming the first Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, it's, it sucks, but, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. And, you know, I hate to, to bring it up right now, it's just since this recently happened, but it just kind of makes you wonder what Marvel's going to do going forth. I mean, you know, uh, there was something I heard that was like, does Marvel know about this all along? And I saw somebody post on Reddit that, you know, they would have to for insurance reasons. Yeah, I um, I think they had planned on something like this because I saw something last night about like uh, I guess the plan for Black Panther 2 was to have him pass the mantle on to his sister yeah yeah that's what I'm hearing too and yeah I guess it's gonna have to be the real thing right now because uh, I don't know I just don't see them recasting him at all I I think if they do anything they'll just try and like use stock footage and try to edit it together to like do what they need possibly so or or like you know use like a body double and do like what they did with paul walker yeah they could do that as well just for those few scenes that he would be in i don't know i guess we'll see but yeah either way r.i.p man it just uh you know you, you gotta get them colonoscopies done man uh, okay, where do I want to go next? Um, so yeah, Scream 5 has a release date now, January 14th, 2022, about a year and a half from now. You know, it, uh, I, I could see why they would wait to put it out till then. You want to make sure theaters are well open by then. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they're opening again right now and ah yeah little anecdote right here i was almost considering going to see something this weekend either bill and ted or new mutants but uh uh we had about uh three thousand new cases yesterday in our state yeah three thousand if that can be believed well either way that's just like um okay i'll i'll stay put (laughs) all you gotta do is try not to touch things and then touch your face and then freaking wear a mask so people can't cough in your face and spread it and you're good i mean man i'm good at the uh six feet apart saying the mask stuff but you know this whole pandemic thing made me realize how much i really do touch my face a lot mostly just like itching you know stuff and rubbing my eyes and uh if if I ever do touch something uh, COVID-covered, I am fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, back to Scream. <laughs> so, uh, oh, of course, a lot of people are worried. It's like, oh, God, not a January release. But, you know, I, I don't think it's the death nail for it. I mean, come on, let's face it. They even haven't started filming yet. They probably just finally got a script done i don't think they're that pessimistic about the movie just yet plus you know at least the first screen movies those came out at the end of december so it's like right around the time for scream you know i mean scream 4 was the odd one out coming out in april if i recall correctly but yeah i say you know december january time perfect time for scream and you know not 
everything that's going to come out in January is going to be bad, okay? For every uh, grudge, there is a class, <laughs> which was pretty good, so. I, I don't know. I still haven't seen either. Yeah, you probably figured it out by now not to see grudge. from. Oh, yeah. I realize I do bring that up a lot. I, I don't know. What do you... I, little derail for just a little bit. This is just something I've been thinking about a lot. What would you think would be worth making a movie so bad that just people just can't forget how bad it is? Or a movie so bad that it's pretty much forgettable? Uh, I think the first one. Just yeah. because at least people would talk about it, you know? Yeah, I've seen some forgettable bad movies and then yeah there's one like the grudge like i keep talking about uh, yeah and you know if sean was here we know what he would say the fact that i haven't forgotten about it makes it art if you want to call that fucking movie art <laughs> yeah i don't know but uh, yeah either way scream 5 uh coming out january 14th 2022 and well lots of uh reboots happening I think, okay, for one, there's a thing that's happening, and, well, I knew about that, at least. John Carpenter is getting involved with it. Mm-hmm. You know, anything he's involved in, uh, I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, if this, uh, I think they announced this, actually, the fact that it was getting rebooted a while ago, and I was kind of on it, but now we got Carpenter being involved with it. Well, I mean... The fact that, uh, I mean, he was involved with the last Halloween movie and the upcoming ones coming out, so he helped those all out. Oh, God, please don't tell me they're doing more construct. You don't hear any, like, weird noises, no. do you? Okay, I am, but uh, as long as you don't, I, I suppose. But, uh, well, some good news about it is that uh, there's, like, a, it's not going to be a complete, like, remake Apparently, they're, like, adapting it from a, uh unearth expanded edition of the novel the thing was originally based on. Yeah, because... it's like, uh, I have it right over here. It's called... Frozen Hell. Who, who goes there? Well, yeah, well, that's the name of the novella, and the uh, expanded version is called Frozen Hell. So, I, you know, as long as they're not planning a complete remake and... Plenty to do something different with it, and I guess uh, I can be on board with that. And if anything, at the end of the day, if it sucks, then oh well, the original one is still there. I, okay, the John Carpenter one, I mean, keep forgetting <laughs> that that one is a remake as well. And uh, yeah. well, we're going on from one of my favorite movies of all time being rebooted to another one, and... Honestly, this one just kind of pissed me off. This is about The Exorcist getting a reboot. Yeah. Why? Come on. Yeah. I mean, I'm good. I mean, it didn't work in a TV show. It's not going to work as a remake. Yeah, I, I still have not watched a TV show. Honestly, I'm in no rush to. But... You know, the thing is, I'm just thinking about, like, there's some part of me that should, like, give some remakes, reboots, like, a a bit of a chance, you know, and, like, I'm I'm uh, giving the thing a chance, and, and, you know, I just think back to some ones that I was kind of down on, and then 
ended up actually kind of liking. But The Exorcist, it's perfect. There's no need. What 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 do you have to do? And what do you have to upgrade? Yeah, I just it, 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 that movie is perfect the way right? it is. Don't touch it. You know, I've always said, like, a reason you did not need to remake this movie is because, well, let's face it, in the last uh, eh, possibly two decades or so, there's been, like, a shit ton of exorcism-type movies. It's really played out. And right? We need some fresh new ideas. I'm like, oh, what do you do? I don't know, it's just like, oh, why? Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, but you know, one of one of the I believe one of the original actors posted something about it and saying, you know, if it's good, it's good. If it's shit, it's shit. They'll never uh, erase the original. Yeah, yeah. But again, like I said, what's the saying? If it sucks, the original's still there. But yeah, I just hate. To, I mean, that's I guess that's one thing about holy shit. Speak of the fucking devil. Talk about where the hell stand. I just get a. Uh, a notification on my phone that he's posted something on Instagram. Spooky. Yeah, just posting a record. Okay. Oh, well, it's still spooky. Someone's out there <laughs> listening. <laughs> but yeah, that's the uh, one thing, of course, about a lot of the movies being rebooted. Now you just have to add the original when you're talking about a movie. You know, oh, the original Halloween, the original Friday the 13th, original Evil Dead. It's just like, you know, you just got to be specific which one you're talking about. Well, uh, here's another reboot, and anyone really ask for this particular reboot? Urban Legend. Why? <laughs> right? I mean, Exorcist, I concede, because that came out in fucking 74. But, uh, yeah, you know... Yeah. Uh, Anything it, made within like the last fucking twenty five years, you don't need to remake. Yeah, I mean, some people that's uh, enough time to reboot something, apparently. But uh, yeah, and uh, basically just well, it sounds like uh, making it for a new age and like uh, let's see, they first cast the college students as they navigate a series of bizarre deaths, resemble urban legends. Link to the darkest corners of social media. So, and it's apparently dealing with deep fake technology. Hmm. I'm guessing it's going to be things like Slender Man and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I could see that, like, updating to modern day urban legends. And you know what? A while ago, I was just thinking, yeah, I think it was probably when I was binge watching the series. Because there's like, well, there's technically four of them, but apparently the fourth one I hear is just in name only. And, well, that one has lowest rated on IMDb. It's in the twos. (laughs) But I was just wondering, why aren't they ever making another one? And then I just remembered, you know, there was that one movie, Scary Stories That Tell in the Dark, that came out last year. And that almost could be considered an urban legends movie because most of the stories that come from those are uh, basically urban legends. So, in a way, we kind of almost did get a urban legend reboot. But I guess the official, official one's coming out really soon. Well, yeah, more news that's just going to piss me off. Uh, it's about the Resident Evil TV show that's coming to Netflix. Heard about this for a while and actually was kind of excited. And, well, they just revealed details and... Uh, the excitement has died down because apparently we'll be following 
the 14-year-old sisters of Albert Wesker as they move to Raccoon City and realize the dark secrets of the town. So, yeah. No Leon, Jill, Chris, Claire. No, we're just following some two characters that are made up. Oh, yeah. Just like the movies. How fucking hard is it to just make a perfect adaptation? How? Apparently, it's the most difficult thing in the world. Right? Ugh. Why? I mean, you and I could probably write a better fucking movie than most of the ones that we got. Right. You know, and, you know, since we're doing a Romero movie today, I just now remembered. I did find the script he wrote when he was supposed to do the Resident Evil movie years ago. And uh, it's been a long time, man. I do remember there were some changes to it, of course. Like, um, for one thing, Chris was not involved with stars at all. He was just a Native American man who was dating Jill and then, well, he follows her and then finds out she's involved with stars and kind of gets pissed off about that. But even so, even that little slight change, it still kind of followed the original video game. Same characters and with the tyrant. And it's like... Why? Why could we have not gone with Romero's script? I would have been a-okay with that. (sighs) It's just sad, sad world. Well, okay. So, last two things I got. A few trailers, and I imagine you won't care about these trailers because they're DC-related. You knew exactly what I was going to be talking about, didn't you? (laughs) Yep. So, I'll say it was a big one for last. So, one of them is Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Who cares? Zack Snyder's not a good director. And apparently, they're going to be releasing this as a mini-series on HBO Max, just because his cut is just that long. And uh, I finally got around to watching the trailer in the next one today, just right before the show. And, uh, yeah, it looks like the same movie, but... At the same time, it looks like a completely different movie, if that makes sense. Not really. <laughs> Considering I've never seen the original. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like you know, the same uh, plot line it follows and all. I mean, we still get that Steppenwolf guy. It looks like they're still having those boxes being involved. But you know, there's a hell of a lot more going on. It looks like you know, we're getting like different storyline with Superman and different uh, storyline with Cyborg. And, uh, of course, probably the biggest thing is that it's going to be completely humor-free because a lot of the humorous stuff was added on by Joss Whedon when he took over. Yeah, even so, I kind of still hope that Aquaman and uh, Flash will still have some funny bits in there. I heard and, they got uh, Shazam 2's title. Yeah, uh, Fury of the Gods. And uh, I just found this out... When the look that up, uh, you know who they cast in that movie? Thin Bad. <laughs> I mean, hey. yeah, right. I mean, it's crazy because I don't think I've seen Thin Bad in a movie since the nineties. Well, he was in a, It's Always Sunny. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and <laughs> I guess apparently they're casting it because there's a. I guess there's a. If you remember, we talked about uh. In conspiracies, was it uh, Mandela Effect? Apparently, there's a Mandela Effect out there that he was in a movie called Shazam, where he plays a genie. And uh, 
But of course, most people probably know there was a movie called Kazam, where Shaquille O'Neal plays a genie. Maybe that's where people got confused, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's been a running joke forever. Right. Oh, yeah, and, uh, another big thing to Justice League is that they're finally adding in Darkseid, you know, DC's answer to Thanos. And uh, just from the slight bit we saw of him, uh, the CG on him looks just as bad as it did with Steppenwolf in that movie. Mm, I don't know. I'll probably be checking it out. Let's just now talk about the big one, one everyone's been probably talking about for the last week, the Batman. You mean oh. emo Batman? Okay, I just want to get this alloy right here. The only problem I've had with this for a long time is, of course, the one playing Batman, Pattinson. And, yo, know, a lot of people have been saying it ever since he got cast. He's more than Twilight! Yeah, I, I guess he is, but I don't know. I look at all the other movies he's been in ever since Twilight, and eh, none of those uh, catch my interest. Although he... Did, uh, did you end up watching that so, what is it, the lighthouse or whatever? The what? The one with Willem Dafoe. Oh, the lighthouse? No, I still have not watched that one. Yeah, I probably will, but I'm not too uh, enthused about it just because. Again, from the same director as The Witch. Much everything else about the trailer, though, I gotta say, look pretty good. Where we see that the Riddler's going to be the main villain of the movie, and... Well, they added a pretty dark twist to the Riddler. And it's definitely not the Jim Carrey Riddler we saw in the 90s movie, that's for sure. This is a extremely dark motherfucker. And I guess the, oh, what the fuck his name? Paul Danos, I think that's what his name is, playing him in this movie. And, well, you don't get a clear look at him because looks like the... Riddler uses a mask in this movie and possibly a voice modulator. And uh, a really quick glimpse uh, of Colin Farrell as the Penguin. And, uh... Didn't even look like the Penguin. Didn't even look like Colin Farrell. I mean, wow, they they really transformed him for that role. In fact, there's a joke going around line that uh, he resembles this uh, one actor, I forget the name, but I recognize the face. I forget what movies I've seen him in, but I I do know the face. And people are just saying, oh, why did you go through all the trouble to add all this makeup to Colin Farrell and not cast this guy? Uh, I just, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Let's get to the elephant in the room, Pattinson as Batman. Honestly, I don't know this trailer showed enough for me to form an opinion on him just yet. We get, like, maybe one or two words out of him in the trailer using the Batman voice, and I don't really remember what it sounded like. Yeah, I don't even remember what he said. Something like, I am vengeance. But, uh, yeah, either way. I actually think the movie looks pretty cool. Still, he ended up whooping that dude's fucking ass, though, that's for sure. Yeah, movie still looks pretty cool. Still reserved on Pattinson. Like, okay, I'll probably deal with Pattinson for one or two movies at the uh, best. And well, you know, knowing you, you're just you're going to go in and you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to give him a chance. If he doesn't steal the show, I don't want him. <laughs> right. 
Well, that's all it got. Good lord. What are you watching? Damn. That's a lot of shit. Um, well, let's see. Uh, the Mighty Ducks. Disney Plus. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, all three John Wick movies. <laughs> nice. Um, this is the end. Mm-hmm. Empire. That's, uh... Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. You just said Empire. I was just like, is that that show with Terrence Howard? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, Attack of the Clones, some Clone Wars, Mandalorian. So there's some Two and a Half Men in there. Some My Name is Earl, Iron Man, Iron Man 2. Um, I feel like there's some more in there. So I'm going to say that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, the Star Wars Clone Wars TV show. I watched some more of that. All right. Well, remember, like, I don't know, maybe a couple shows ago, I said my uh, what I've been watching will take a hit, and it honestly really didn't. Well, it has happened. It's taken a hit. Yeah, there's shit ton of stuff going on at work and mandatory overtime going in. Yay. As far as movies, the... Uh, the only two that I've really watched were a few rewatches. Uh, Crawl, that alligator flick that came out last year. Uh, very fitting, too, because it involves hurricanes. Yes, there's uh, hurricanes going down Florida. And in case you haven't heard, Iowa got a bit of a hurricane as well. It's actually called uh, Doricho or something like that. But, uh, yeah. And the uh, other one, Volcano. I've seen that before. And uh, Thoughts Reserved because it may be on the list. And otherwise, uh, just been watching some TV shows, like a <laughs> few episodes of Hoarders came out recently. And in case you're wondering, it looks like the majority of these were filmed last year. So, yeah, we'll probably not get some new episodes next year, <laughs> for sure. I decided to do something fitting with the episode, and I watched a few of the few episodes of the Creep Show television show. Did you, did you end up watching those, too? Um, I did not have a chance to catch it yet. Okay, well, they're pretty good so far from what I've seen. They do really capture the spirit of these movies very well, I gotta say. They even got the weird color scheme we see every once in a while, especially in the first movie. And the weakest one, I think, was, like, the second episode of the first, the, I mean, the second segment of the first episode. It involved a girl who had a dollhouse, and she knows a head in there, like a figurine of a severed zombie head in there, and just terrorizing her doll family. Let's just say it was an interesting concept, but not a very good payoff. But uh, I'm digging what I've seen so far. Still got to finish the last few episodes, and yeah, we see some familiar faces. Even Adrian Barbeau makes his appearance in the first episode. And, uh, well, Scott, one thing I wanted to talk about is something you won't believe. I've actually been reading. Actual reading or listening? Actual reading, as in having a book in my hands, looking at the words, hearing the words in my head. That kind of reading. Everybody, everybody, this is the end. (laughs) (laughs) Jake finally picked up a book. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time in years, and I realized, gosh, I do kind of miss it because I loved reading back in the day. And I'm like, you know what, I've been probably watching a shit ton of movies lately and a shit ton of TV. Like, maybe now I can just give myself a little break and go back to the actual books. And uh, 
the book I'm reading right now, it's I'm only like a yeah, it looks like I'm maybe almost finished, like got about 100 pages left, it looks like. That's from an author I used to read back in the day called Christopher Pike. And because uh, I guess what mostly inspired me to get back into reading is because um, I discovered a new podcast where these two ladies talk about uh, young adult horror novels that come from the 90s, mostly from Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein. And, uh, you know, just listening to these ladies talk about this shit, I'm like, hmm, I do want to get back into these. I mean, really get back into these. So, yeah, I'm going to plan on doing a lot more of this. Quite shocked. <laughs> yeah, I ordered quite a bit of these, and luckily I found them they were like for really, really good cheap prices on Amazon. But when I ordered like six of them, I, I realized, oh, I forgot to look at the shipping prices. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Yeah, so buying a, at least six books for uh, single digit prices ended up being $60. <laughs> That's not too bad. I guess. I would I like mean, to... Freaking my book, The Thing, that I just bought is fucking... It was like 50 bucks. Oh, damn. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go that crazy just yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm actually really enjoying getting back into these. All right. That's all I got to say. So, uh, I say it's time to talk about some creep show. Yes, yes. So... I'm going to put a song, trailer, and we'll be back.
pulled up correct i do i do came out november 12th 1982 a 6.9 rating on imdb and let's see of course as we mentioned director george a romero and a writer stephen king so what a good matchup right yep and the cast um where do i begin with the cast i mean <laughs> there's a shitload of people on here now we got Kind of a fog reunion right here with Tom Atkins, Hal Holbrook, and Adrian Barbeau. We got Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. We got Ed Harris. And we even got Stephen King making appearance in this movie. And Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. That's correct. Yes. That's a pretty crazy list of people. (laughs) Right. I was... uh, I was saying before the, the what were we talking about how crazy the cast list is, how <laughs> inexpensive the movie actually was. Yeah, well, you know, with Ed Harris and Ted Danson, they hadn't hit big just yet, so. Yeah. Uh, when did the first Naked Gun movie come out? Like, 85? <sighs> Maybe 87. Oh. I mean, so. yeah. And, you know. We got to remember, too, this is like two years after Airplane. So, yeah, Leslie Nielsen uh, had done just done Airplane, but he was still kind of trying to be a serious actor at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. at, least he, at least he found his calling. Right. All right, well, uh, we start out this movie. We've got a stern and tyrannical father named Stan. Stan, 
Why are you beating <laughs> your children? <laughs> hey, we said his name three times now. According to Beetlejuice rules, he's got to appear now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well, uh, Stan gets very angry when he finds his young son, Billy, reading a grisly horror comic book titled Creepshow. After, uh, Should mention, uh, too, Tom Atkins without the stash. It's it's just a weird combination. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I think it's probably like the third movie we've done with him where he doesn't have the stash. There's the fog and the ninth configuration. And, well, goddamn, how many Tom Atkins movies do we have to do left now that we've done this movie? <laughs> we still haven't done my Bloody Valentine remake. Uh, yes, we have. Yeah? Yeah. I don't remember doing it. We've, we've done it. Okay, we haven't I, done Drive Angry. And... All I remember doing is the original My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, we've done it. Because it was a commentary. I think the uh, remake one was a commentary as well. Huh. That might be why. Well, after arguing with his wife and slapping Billy, Stan throws the comic in the garbage. A skeletal figure appears outside Billy's window. A creep who hosts the stories in the comic book. And we get a, like uh, a animated version. And I like that animated version too because the uh, live action one, um, that was very Halloween decoration right there. Well, a, uh, a wind blow draws the comic book out of the garbage can and the five stories within the comic come to life. Dissolving from illustrated comic frames to live-action frames at the beginning of each story. And vice versa, vice versa at the end of each story. Well, in our first story, Father's Day, we meet the, I don't know how to say their last name, Grantums? Grantums, something like that. Well, they are a wealthy family with a macabre annual celebration. Sylvia gathers with her family members Richard and Cass and the eccentric Aunt Bedelia on Father's Day. While they are waiting for Bedelia to arrive, the family members explain uh, Bedelia's backstory to Cass's new husband, Hank, who is Ed Harris. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, I guess the guy had problems with baldness his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> It seems that Bedelia's father, the now-deceased family patriarch, Nathan, was pathologically jealous of Bedelia. After Nathan had her lover murdered in what was written off as a hunting accident, Bedelia hunting. went over the edge. What? Hunting. Quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hunting. And I got admit, we first saw Nathan, I could have sworn that was a George Kennedy at first, but uh, it's uh, some guy named John Lormer. Don't know that guy very well. Well, while caring for the elderly Nathan, Bedelia snaps and fucking bashes Nathan's head in with a marble ashtray. Well, yeah, the, uh, the family conspired to make it look like an accident, and Nathan's massive wealth was divided among them equally. Ever since the time of the murder, which occurred on Father's Day, Bedelia visits her father's grave at the family estate, then joins the others in the mansion for dinner. 
This year, as Bedelia sits on Nathan's grave, Nathan's rotting corpse emerges from the ground and attacks her, strangling her to death. And we hear the line for the first time, I want my cake. (laughs) That's all he fucking wants is his fucking cake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some little vengeance too, but yeah, he, he really wants that cake. Well, we should talk about this. Who did the special effects for this movie, Jake? Oh, yeah. Savini. So, you know, this dude, and he's fucking rotting and grotesque looking, and oh, just great yeah. work. Oh, yeah. Actually, it looks like a actual corpse came from the ground. I mean, we I don't know if we ever mentioned it, but the reason Tom Savini is so good at these special effects is that, well, <laughs> he was in Vietnam, so he saw that shit with his own eyes. Well, Nathan begins to exact his revenge on the rest of the family. Hank ends up going out to uh, the graveyard, and he ends up fucking falling into the grave and is squashed by a gravestone. And, well, we we have to talk about something that happens before that. The fucking dance sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Not as bad as Friday Part 4, but... Yeah, but (laughs) that was weird, I mean... Okay, yeah, we've had Crispin Glover in Friday the 13th Part 4. We've had uh, Michael Moriarty in Troll, uh, <laughs> older sister in Troll 2, now Ed Harris. What do you think is the weirdest of all four of those weird dances? Uh, it's got to be Friday. Yeah, I guess I would say so, but <laughs> I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell Ed Harris was trying to do. <laughs> it's like... Um, I think the part where he just holds his hand right above his head and just spasms out. I, who knows what the hell he was thinking with that move. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, the uh, the housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers, is then killed. Um, let me see. We get uh, Nathan, who ends up walking into the kitchen. And he ends up twisting Sylvia's head right off of her body. And uh, in a final gruesome joke, he surprises Cass and Richard with Sylvia's head, decorated to look like a Father's Day cake, complete with burning candles. I have my cake. (laughs) And, yeah, you just gotta love the... Of course, we always see this. And throughout this movie, whenever the horrifying shit starts to happen, you know, you get the red lights and, you know, since it is like a, basically a comic book movie, we get kind of comic booky type scenes, you know, like the weird backgrounds, like close ups and the bubbles just, with the captions. Yeah. And man, I just love it when it turns into animated, like actually on a page, you know. You read the bubbles coming from them, like not the kind of noises I would expect people to be saying if they saw that shit. They would say shit like gag and arg. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, don't think, I don't think I'd be seeing those if I saw a rotting corpse holding a severed head as a cake. <laughs> well, we move on to story number two. The Lonesome Death of Jordy Vero. We meet Jordy, played by Stephen King. An extremely coked out Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
uh, I mean, I imagine he was probably doing quite a bit of lines before shooting for this part. Well, Jordy is a simpleton who lives alone on his family's rundown farm. Well, a meteor ends up crashing to Earth, and it lands in his field. So, Jordy, he has aspirations to sell the meteor to the local college for a small uh, small fortune. $200. $200, like, holy crap, really? <laughs> what time period is this in? So, is it in 82? Is it in the 50s? I mean, you know, it's... it's if we knew what time period it would be in, it would make it a little more clear if it was too low or too high. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, he tries to pick up the meteor, but it's too hot and it ends up burning his fingers. Jordy's solution is to pour a bucket of water on it, but that causes it to split in two. No, so, Jordy, you lunkhead. <laughs> <laughs> he... <laughs> He ends up seeing his dream of $200 windfall go down the drain. Still, he resolves to try to uh, to sell the halves, which are now covered in a greenish liquid. Later that night, the, uh, the crater where the meteor landed is now covered in weird green plant life, as is uh, everything the meteor came into contact with. Jordy, who has been sucking on his fingers, notices they have green wounds on them. Presumably from the burns. Oh shit, we also forgot one of the best lines from this segment. Me or shit! <laughs> well, later he ends up discovering the, uh, the alien vegetation, which has now covered the entire farm. Jordy uh, realizes that the alien plant life is now growing on his skin. As uh, the night progresses, Jordy becomes covered in shaggy green weeds, causing him to itch. He ends up the itching uh, ends up causing him to uh, run a bath. But before he can get in, the image of his deceased father appears to him in a mirror and warns him against getting into the water, since the water is what makes the weeds grow. Mm, well, you think actual vision or Jordy gone even crazier? Um, I don't know. I mean, it could actually be him. Yeah, I mean, mean, would Jordy know that it was uh, water giving life to all this? I don't know. Well, Jordy, he ends up getting in anyway, and when morning dawns, Jordy has become a gigantic lumbering mass of alien vegetation. Desperate, he shoots himself in the head with a shotgun. Revealing that the deep green weeds have even penetrated his brain. Afterwards, a radio announcer is heard forecasting heavy rainfall, suggesting that the extraterrestrial plant growth will further spread to surrounding areas. And uh, you notice, like, that sign, too, with all the... Castle Rock. (laughs) Yep. Well, that's the end of that one. We move into story number three. Something to tide you over. We meet Harry Wentworth, played by Ted Danson. He is awakened by a knock at his door from Richard Vickers, played by Leslie Nielsen. It seems that Harry has been having an affair with Richard's wife, Becky. And I just got it had to, like, oh man, one part he's like, don't call me mister. I think it would have been better if he said, don't call me Shirley. 
Oh, yeah, something we forgot to talk about. Uh, you know who Becky is, right? She's, uh, what's her name from Dawn of the Dead, right? Yes, it is. Oh, fuck. What's her name? Uh, yeah. I, I can't think of it right oh, now. Oh, was it? Wait, Francine? That's Francine. Yeah. Except she doesn't have blonde hair. No. So <laughs> it really throws you through a loop. <laughs> All right. Well, Richard, he's he has come to uh, confront uh, Harry. So instead of attacking him, Richard plays him a cassette of Becky's terrified voice begging Harry for help. Harry uh, accompanies Richard back to his private beachfront estate where Richard forces him at gunpoint to climb into a hole in the sand on the beach. Burying Harry up to his neck, Richard then connects a television that displays live footage of Becky, also buried up to her neck in another location on the beach. The uh, the tide is already starting to come in and wash over her face. Going crazy back there. <laughs> he must see something he doesn't like. <laughs> Harry realizes that uh, they will both be dead soon. There is no reasoning with Richard, who seems to take great delight in his revenge. Richard abandons Harry and goes back to his beach house, where he watches the drowning deaths of both Becky and Harry on the video monitors. And man, can't imagine a worse way to go right there, man. Before the last uh, wave covers Harry's head, he vows revenge on Richard. Later that night, Richard is alone in the beach house when he seems to hear voices calling him. While he showers, two shuffling figures enter his home. Defying the many security cameras and alarms that Richard has in place. Uh, when Richard emerges from a shower, he hears somebody in his house and immediately thinks it's Harry, somehow still alive. He is terrified to discover that the invaders in his home are the waterlogged corpses of both Becky and Harry. Both of them zombies covered in seaweed with green pruning skin. Man. More good effect from Savini himself, man. Richard ends up shooting them, but the gun has no effect. The zombies taunt him the same way uh, he taunted them, and we finally see Richard, now completely insane, buried on the beach in the same way, waiting for the tide to come in. I can hold my breath a long time, Richard yells crazily. That's probably a lie. <laughs> As soon as he sees the water come pouring up on him, he just he makes his face like oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like I said, Leslie Nielsen when he's still kind of doing serious roles, but uh, yeah, the facial expressions he makes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in kind of flashes me back to Dracula dead and loving it. <laughs> that part <laughs> with the with the chicks like. You have a message in the lobby. <laughs> we move on to uh, story number four, The Crate. A janitor at Horlicks University, Mike, discovers an old dusty crate behind a grate under the uh, a basement stairwell. He calls Professor Dexter Stanley to investigate with him, drawing him away from a stuffy faculty gathering. At the gathering is Dexter's good friend, uh, Professor Henry Northrup. Played by Hal Holbrook. Henry is married to an obnoxious shrew of a woman named Wilma, Adrian Barbeau. Well, Wilma, who is uh, continually drunk, 
drunk, embarrasses herself and Henry at the party, and it seems as if she is about to ruin the friendship uh, Harry shares with Dex. And man, I like Adrian Barbeau, but yeah, she did a good job of making you hate this character. Uh, Henry, who is somewhat meek, fantasizes about ways to murder her. <laughs> I, I love that first one. He just pretty much shoots her right in the fucking head. Everyone's just like, good job. <laughs> <laughs> good job, man. Back at the university, Dex and Mike pull the crate out from under the stairs and realize that it appears to have been under there since the late 1800s. A stamp on the outside of the wooden box indicates that it contains specimens from an Arctic expedition. When the two of them open it, they sense movement from inside, and Mike is attacked by something when he puts his arm in the crate. Whatever it is pulls Mike inside, apparently eating him as it goes. Dex catches a glimpse of a horrible, shaggy beast with huge teeth. <laughs> and on the uh, IMDb and even at credits, they called the monster Fluffy. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm guessing this guy must have been a close friend of Savini's to the guy who played him because he did uh, special effects assistant work with uh, the Prowler and the Burning. Well, Dex, he runs blindly from the lab and finds the only person in the hall, a student named Charlie. Charlie goes down into the laboratory and finds it covered in blood. With uh, no sign of the crate or the creature, Charlie and Dex find the crate back under the stairs, and when Charlie attempts to investigate, the creature attacks him and eats him too. Dex is afraid to go to the police. Instead, he goes to Henry's house, and he arrives while Wilma is away for the evening. He tells Henry the story about the creature, and Henry knows Dexter has to be telling the truth. Henry uh, hatches a plan. He gives Dex sleeping pills and leaves him locked in his study, asleep. Henry writes Wilma a note, concocting a bogus story designed to lure her to the laboratory. He gets there ahead of her and cleans up the evidence of the blood. Wilma can't resist Henry's trap, and she shows up at the university as planned. Henry lures her under the stairs, and her obnoxious ranting draws the creature out of its crate. It ends up eating Wilma before Henry's eyes. Henry then chains it inside the crate and dumps the crate into the deep water of a nearby quarry. Well, when Dexter wakes up the next day, he and Henry vow to keep the secret of what really happened and let the authorities deal with the disappearances. The final frame show the creature in its water-rich wrap tearing the crate to pieces and presumably escaping. So, that leads us to our fifth... Final story. They're creeping up on you. Uh, this one. <laughs> we meet Upson Pratt. He is a neurotic business tycoon who lives in a serial white penthouse apartment atop a skyscraper in a major city, presumably New York. He, and, uh, uh, let's just say this guy would probably be doing well in this uh, current pandemic. <laughs> He uh, communicates with the outside world via the telephone, treating his employees and subordinates in a cutthroat, heartless manner. One phone caller informs him that an employee, Norman, has committed suicide because Pratt fired him. Pratt seems delighted rather than upset. Uh, yeah, Pratt is really want you to hate this guy for sure, too. <laughs> <laughs> Pratt's obsessed with cleanliness and has a huge phobia of bugs. 
Unfortunately, he keeps finding cockroaches in his apartment, which sets him on a rampage to correct the situation. He, uh, he plays his telephone calls to the building superintendent and makes uh, thinly-veiled racial slurs in an attempt to intimidate the man. Well, as Pratt finds more bugs in his apartment, someone gets through on his private line. Norman's widow, Lenore. She uh, calls Pratt to curse him for her husband's death. Pratt is amused by her melodramatic sadness until the cockroaches multiply. He finds them in his food processor... Uh, bits of them surfacing in the grain cereal he eats. <laughs> An electrical blackout occurs, and the roaches attack, swarming by the thousands everywhere in Pratt's apartment. Pratt retreats to his quote-unquote safe room, a climate-controlled sleep chamber, just as the phone rings. Lenore's voice curses him over and over, I hope you die, I hope you die. And Pratt discovers his bed, swarming with roaches. The roaches quickly cover him, and Pratt suffers a heart attack. The power returns, and the, uh, the lights come back on. The roaches are nowhere to be seen. Pratt's body lies inside the glass sleep chamber. Well, the superintendent knocks at Pratt's door and laughs when Pratt doesn't answer, asking, Bugs got your tongue? Suddenly, swarms of roaches burst from Pratt's body, so many that they nearly fill the glass chamber. Well, the uh, the wraparound story with Billy concludes the next morning when two garbage men, uh, Marty Sheaf and Tom Savini, discover the comic book next to the trash can in front of Billy's house. They leaf through it and discover that someone has clipped a mail-in coupon for a genuine Haitian voodoo doll. Inside the house, Billy's father, Stan, suddenly suffers neck pain while up in his uh, bedroom. Billy's end up, he's stabbing a voodoo doll uh, in his form of his cruel father repeatedly with uh, a pin as payback for Stan tossing out his favorite comic book. Uh, like each story in this comic book, the live action scene of Billy stabbing the voodoo doll becomes an illustrated comic book picture. And as the camera pulls back, we see the comic's mac uh, macabre Post the Creep is holding the second issue of the Creepshow comic book in his bony hands, with Billy and his voodoo doll adorning the cover. The Creep titters and a nearby candle flame goes out, plunging us into the darkness. Credits begin to roll. And then, you know, after the credits, we end up hearing the Creep laugh. So, Jake! Well, I probably mentioned this earlier, first time I watched this movie with, like, Probably a decade or so ago, you know, when I first got Netflix streaming and, you know, almost kind of embarrassed about how it, I hadn't watched this movie any sooner because, you know, like we said, Romero and King. And plus, you know, I always remember this and part two in the video stores. I mean, how can you forget those cool covers, you know, with the creeper? Man, and I just wish I got to see well, both these movies much sooner because, man, they're just really good horror movie anthologies. I mean, let's see. I would probably say my favorite. Hmm, it's hard to pick one. Maybe I'll go with Father's Day. You know, it's just, I just like the other ones a lot better, but still, it's a damn good one to watch. You know what the fuck? I'll go with best with this one. Well, 
you know, you uh, you said your best one. Uh, I think, like, for me, my favorite one was probably the Tide one. Oh, yeah, that'd be a close second for me. And just, I think uh, probably my least favorite was the last one, just because, I mean, it really wasn't all that scary. I mean, cockroaches, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the only thing that really saved that one from being, like, just an awful story was, like, the ending scene with the bugs all fucking <laughs> protruding from, like, oh, his yeah. mouth and his neck and everything. But, yeah, that, that one, I just, I think it could have been a little bit better. Yeah. But, you know, overall, the special effects were really good. You know, it's Stephen King wrote it. George Romero directed it. You know, it's it's a pretty damn good movie. And, uh, yeah, I always keep forgetting it's like that he just wrote these. They're not actually based off of any. Oh, maybe the crate is. I, I don't know. I, I would almost say probably the crate is probably the most famous one from this movie. I mean, it's the. It's definitely the longest one because, you know, the first two they just kind of go by really quick. Um, I guess uh, I guess the third one is like about medium length and, yeah, the crate one that's the longest. But yeah, the crate one would probably be the most famous because that makes a lot of appearances. And in fact, first episode of the Creep Show show when we get the uh, creeper being the crypt keeper type character, we see that crate and well even made a appearance and jason goes to hell if i recall correctly interesting i I, uh i don't think i have anything more to say about it what about you yep i guess not well it is my turn followed up with creep show 2 and here is a song and then the trailer Lead into me Announce of your empathy Eyes locked you can see A ghost on invisible city Dream. 
significance has happened since. Until now. Maybe you don't get out much. Oh, this is crazy. This is totally crazy. Maybe you're always running late. I gotta go. Or maybe you just have other things on your mind. They gotta make me a movie star. But if you only make it to one scary film all year, make it one you remember all year long. <laughs> Creepshow 2. You like movies that will keep you stuck in your chair. Stephen King and George Romero have conjured up an all-new creep show. No! No! That's impossible! Just for you. I mean, what is it? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. So don't just sit there. I'm gonna swim for it right now. Walk. Run. Swim if you have to. I got you! But whatever you do, don't take your time. Cause the scares come twice as quickly in... I beat you! 
And we are back with Creep Show 2, May 1st, 1987, and a 6.1, so just a little less than the first movie, but still in that sixth range. And uh, Stephen King still involved as a George Romero, but only as a writer and a director. This one is Michael Gornick, and as far as I can see, he's worked with Romero a lot, just mostly as like a cinematographer and yeah he doesn't only a few more like a uh, director credits but mostly for like uh tv shows especially tales for the dark side and uh not quite as big of a cast in this one as the last movie like uh, as far as i can see like probably the biggest name in here is george kennedy who i also recognize from the naked gun movies yeah plus mr tom savini yep Yep, Tom Savini himself as the creep. This movie begins. It's a town, and there's a young boy named Billy, which I guess we can assume is the same Billy from the last movie, just not played by Stephen King's son in this one. Yeah, I don't know if Billy's like in the comic books, like like a character or something that they refer to, or if it was just for like the movies. Yeah, I don't know. Gosh, I want to try and seek out these creep show comics just to see. Well, I know they have, like, uh, the old um, Tales from the Crypt stuff. They redid those. So I'm pretty sure they probably did the same thing for Creepshow. Anyway, Billy comes across this truck. He's uh, just throwing out some uh, comics for a newsstand, and uh, the guy in the truck is a sinister-looking figure known as the Creep, played by Tom Savini. And Creep's got a little bit of a different look in this one. It's not like a skeleton this time, just a... Creepy old-looking man. <laughs> old, deformed. Yeah. Yeah, kind of weird how they switch things around. I mean, because, like, even in the Shudder show, he's uh, back to being a skeleton. I think he's more skeletal in the comic. Yeah. From what I've seen. Yeah, second-rate Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Just without the puns. <laughs> yeah, and so anyway, we uh, start to get too animated now. With the creep, and you know, like I said, he's being the crypt keeper just without the puns, and introduces our first story, Old Chief Woodenhead. So we meet an older couple named Ray and Martha. They're in a very small Arizona mining town, and there's very little left to this town right here, including their shop. And just talk about how it's just kind of uh, nearing its end. How they get visited by a uh, Native American elder named Benjamin White Moon, who they seem to know very well. And he gives them one of the tribe's sacred treasures, a turquoise jewelry. And, well, they don't want to accept it at first, but he insists and they accept. And it's a very heartwarming scene. And then this heartwarming scene turns into not so heartwarming because when they get back to the store, well, uh, Benjamin's nephew Sam is in there along with his... Uh, Two friends, one of them being Hal Holbrook's son. Did you recognize that guy, the uh, fat guy? No. Yeah, like I said, it's Hal Holbrook's son, and uh, I've seen pictures of that guy recently, and yeah, he's really starting to look like his dad. Yeah, I wonder if Hal Holbrook's still alive. I mean, if he is, he's got to be old as shit by now. I'm not sure I can look. Yeah, I mean, he was like sounding pretty old in uh, the Fog and Creep show. <laughs> Anyway, they're just planning to he rob him. Says he's still alive. Yeah, what does it say his age? Born 
February 17th, 1925. Ooh, yeah, so that's got to put him in his 90s. Yeah, so Sam and his friends are holding the store up. And, of course, one of the things they have to take is the jewelry. And, uh, well, the fat kid, uh, he's just, like, being a smartass. And, well, Sam just keeps talking about how his long hair is going to take him to Hollywood. Yeah, so that's their plan. Uh, hold this place up, rob it, and head on to Hollywood. Uh, yeah, good luck with that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, after a little bit of a struggle... Well, the spruces end up all being shot to death. What a shame. Well, I keep forgetting to mention the most important part of the story is that right out in front of this store, there's a little, uh, well, our title character, Chief Woodenhead. It's a little Indian wooden statue that's out there. And, well, when Sam and his friends start leaving the store, well, (laughs) Sam starts uh, being a little disgraceful to this wooden statue, like... It's being on it, spilling paint on it, and uh, it was just as they go away. Well, we see Chief Woodenhead. He's actually coming to life. And uh, again, I gotta say, some really good special effect work right here with Chief Woodenhead, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah, make it actually looking like that guy actually is coming to life. And, uh, well, first one to get uh, to feel his wrath is. A little fat guy that is home watching some old movie. And arrows start coming right through. And one ends up going right through his head. And the second one, well, I guess this guy lives with his parents. And they're just watching TV. And he's trying to sneak out through the garage. But when he gets out there, his car is completely trashed. And a really cool bit right here. We see a shadow of him and Chief Woodenhead coming up right behind him with a tomahawk. And... Whack! Hits him and blood splatters. <laughs> and Get I what you deserve. I almost got wonder as you know, it's just so much of that noise with the trashing of the car. It's like the parents didn't hear any of that. <laughs> well, maybe they uh, weren't home. No, no, no. We saw them. They were just glued to that TV. Oh yeah. So Sam is the only one left, and you know he is uh, met with the. Uh, Chief Woodenhead in his trailer, and he freaks out trying to shoot him, but, you know, obviously having no effect on him, so trying to lock himself in the bathroom, but Chief Woodenhead ends up smashing right through and pulling off his scalp. Of course, we don't see that, but we just hear the scream. And, uh, Benjamin wakes up, and, well, he finds the jewelry right by his side, and goes back to the store, finding Chief Woodenhead back on his pedestal. Holding his nephew's scalp. And so he wishes the spruces a peaceful afterlife as well as peace for Sheaf Woodenhead. And now we're back to the uh, wraparound story, which is uh, still animated. And uh, well, Billy, he's uh, got to the Creep Show magazine and you know, he's looking for more stuff from that because that's something you would be able to do with these back in the day. Just cut out some coupons to be able to order some things. Yeah, I never got to do that because it might have been a little bit before my time, maybe. And, well, I, this just... I remember having comics, or not comics, like magazines where you could still do that. Really? Yeah. I guess I might have not done something like that. But this time around, he is ordering a Venus flight trap. Oh, I just gotta say, animation in this movie, 
almost kind of a bit awkward, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's just yeah. the way Billy moves his face is just like, it's like fucking spastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a word for it. Yeah. Well, now we get to the second story, The Raft. We're met with uh, four college students, Deke, Laverne, Randy, and Rachel, going to a very desolate lake. Yeah, Derek, I mean, Deke, well, he's a jock of this group. <laughs> They're like, yeah, bro, yeah, even with his little yellow banana hammock. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's uh, Rachel, she's just the quiet one, and Laverne, Deke's girlfriend, and Randy. They just go to this little lake, and right in the middle, it's like there's a wooden raft right in the middle of it, and they decide to go swimming out to it. And, uh, of course, they leave their car on just for the music. And, uh, well, we'll get to that in a little bit at the end of this certain segment. Well, while they're swimming out there, uh, Randy, he's noticing, like, something weird. Kind of like a little blob thing. And it kind of looks like a garbage bag. And it uh, seems to kill a duck. So, you know, he's telling everybody to get into the raft, like, quickly as possible. But, unfortunately, Rachel isn't so lucky, and she is the first to go. Which, honestly, kind of a little bit surprising, you know. You know, they're focused on her so much, you know, being the quiet girl. And mostly in these types of horror stories, you know, the quiet one is like the, uh, you know, heroine of the story. But, nope, in this one, she is the first to go. Yeah. Well, everyone's freaking out, and Deke, he's the one who, who's planning to go and uh, outswim this blob, since he is a fast swimmer. But eh, he doesn't even get a chance to do that, because the blob ends up seeping right through the cracks and pulling him right through. And again, more really good special effect work. I mean, you know, we gotta talk about, like, how this blob, like, touches people and it burns their skin. Kind of, you know, like the uh, 88 blob, a little. Yeah, I wonder if, uh, well, this one came out in 87. I wonder if it uh, was kind of a inspiration for the 88 blob. Maybe. Yeah, so it's just Randy and Laverne. They're the only ones left. And, yeah, they're, they have to cuddle so close together because it's cold and they're scared. Now it's the next morning, and, well, Randy, we're kind of assuming supposed to be the nice guy of the group. But uh, when morning comes, uh, we find out that's, really not the case here because well Laverne she's still asleep and Randy decides he's gonna get a little uh, touchy feely happy <laughs> rapey face over here <laughs> right he's just like pulling up her shirt fanning up her titties he knows that she's starting to wake up so he pulls it back down and be like uh huh nothing happened here but Laverne she lifts up her face to reveal that it's a blob seeping up right through and burning off her face, and she's the next to go. And so, well, the blob's taking care of her. Randy decides, hey, I'm going to take advantage of this, and swims out to shore and uh, gets back to the beach. And very, very stupid move right here. He turns back. He's like, I beat you! Uh, You might want to be a little bit farther than that if you're going to gloat, buddy, because uh, it ends up, like, coming up on him and swallowing him whole. Apparently, like, yeah, a little premature celebration there, buddy. Yeah. The only evidence left of anybody being there is a car. 
which is still on blasting the radio. Like, that has got to be a super battery in that car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, man, I accidentally leave my lights on for just a night and boom. God damn it. But no, these people, they can leave their car radio running all night, but never die. And of course, the camera pans to a very hidden sign that says no swimming, which would have been nice to see for our four heroes. But alas, not the case. You would think they would know there was, like, a no-swimming thing there. You would think. <laughs> or you would think that the town or wherever they were would fucking make sure that that thing's right out in the open. No <laughs> swimming. Right. Go the fuck home. Don't come in. You're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> As we always say with these types of stories, we wouldn't get much of a story if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now we're back to Billy, and, well, he's being ambushed by the neighborhood bullies, including a very big, fat one. Seems to be the leader. It was so weird. It's just, like, few of these bullies, they look like they're in, like, late teen years, and they've got the voices of seven-year-olds. <laughs> you notice that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're bullying him, and they... They find its package with the Phoenix Fight Trap bulb, and they throw it on the ground and crushing it. Well, while they're laughing at him, well, Billy ends up kicking the lead guy in the balls and flees. And they follow him in pursuit. And now we get our third and final story, because this one is just a little shorter than part one. This one is called The Hitchhiker. So we meet a woman called Annie and she is uh, sleeping with a uh, gigolo. And well, she, <laughs> she's waking up realizing she's overslept a bit. And did you notice a certain book on that uh, bed stand? It was something by King, but it was too quick for me to see it. It was it, man. Oh. Yeah. And so, yeah, she gets up getting dressed and uh, get a little titty shot right here, too. And she drives in away in her Mercedes Benz, coming home and just trying to make up some excuses about why she could be late to her husband. But on the way, she accidentally hits a hitchhiker. It just would have been so funny if uh, we got a, oh my god, we hit a boot! Where's the foot? <laughs> what, uh, what happened that made her lose control of the car? Just slippery roads? Yeah, looked like a pretty cold night and I guess as we find out later, it's winter time. Uh, of course, uh, you had a random hitchhiker and you're a rich lady. Well, you don't want to get involved at all. So that's what she does. She drives off and there's a few people who find him and you know, just uh, start to take care of him. And I almost wear that truck driver was Stephen King, but I don't think it was, honestly. Yes, it was. It was? Oh. Yep. So... She's driving away, she's, like, freaking out, now trying to think of more excuses to why the front of the car is fucked up. <laughs> well, she runs into the hitchhiker, who's somehow still alive and appears right in front of her. And, uh, you well, know, just like Father's Day, we get a good repeated line in this one, which is, Thanks for the ride, lady! <laughs> yeah, she's trying her damn best to lose this guy. At one point, he's, like, on top of the car, reaching through the sunroof. And uh, eventually, well, she ends up hurling him off the top of the car 
and he gets the slammed onto some trees, and she ends up like slamming the car right into him over and over. And Scott, how would that kill a person? He <laughs> <laughs> knew I had to throw that in. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> Well, she wakes up and, well, she sees that the car's pretty much fucking totaled from slamming into the trees repeatedly. But $27,000. It'll look just like you. (laughs) (laughs) But no sight of the hitchhiker. And uh, she ends up arriving home. And, well, luckily for her, her husband's not even home yet. So all she has to explain is why the car is all fucked up. But, unfortunately, when she opens up the car... Up from under it comes the hitchhiker, looking all fucked up. <laughs> More good Savini work right here. Yeah. And once again, he pops up saying, thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> it looked like he was fucking trying to kiss her. <laughs> and well, Annie's husband ends up arriving home and he just finds her in the car dead from carbon monoxide poisoning and a sign on her saying, Dover, which is where the hitchhiker was heading. Going down to Delaware. And now we get to the conclusion to the story. Billy is still being chased by the bullies and uh, ends up right in a vacant lot. So right as these bullies are about to get him, beat the shit out of him, he just learned that that bull wasn't the first one Billy ordered because a bunch of giant Venus flytraps emerge and eat these bullies up. <laughs> the creeper Calculatingly, as it turns back to live action and he drives off. And we roll credits on this. All right. how he's just throwing books out of the back as he drives down the highway. <laughs> that is littering, sir. <laughs> right. All right. So, another first time watch for you. What do you think about this one? Well, this one's not a first time watch. I oh. actually saw this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my but, bad. But, uh, it's probably my second or third time watching it. I haven't watched it in forever. But, uh, you know, uh, the first one was uh, it was pretty good. Like, you know, the, this Indian freaking statue, you know, this this old man's been taking care of him for 30 years. You know, his, his you know, quote-unquote master gets killed. You know, you, you want to exact some revenge, man. Right. You know, you, you can't do that to my friend. So that was pretty cool. Um, the second one that's definitely uh, really creepy. You know, you got freaking not only Captain Rapey face, but you got a, a thing in the water. <laughs> so it's like you're not safe forever either. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then uh, you know the last one. You know that it's a uh, that's a pretty good psychological story. You know, you what really killed her is, you know, what really happened to her. You know. Maybe she's probably seeing all these things, but like in all actuality, she couldn't live with it, so she ended up fucking dying of exhaust. You know? Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's just that it's one thing that you could just you know play around with different theories. So that that's a lot of fun. You know, great special effects work. You know. So. Um, I'm gonna give this one another pretty damn good. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a uh, pretty good with this one. The uh, this one, the first time watch was uh, a little bit more recently. Probably want to say, probably it was after Romero died. So, what, two, three years ago? Yeah, 17. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, we got a little less stories in here. 
And then, you know, just the setup is just kind of different. Like, you know, we get to Creeper talking and he's like more of an old man. Yeah, like I said, animation and those wraparound segments kind of awkward a bit. Eh? But either way, it's still kind of entertaining. Think, uh, I don't know, for favorite, I'm definitely going to go with the rap story because, you know, I always love a good isolation type horror story. You know, can't run while this, nowhere to run while this monster's coming after you. What the fuck do you do? And do you even trust the people you are with? Yeah. That's always a good setup to a good horror story right there. But yeah, Sheep Wooden Head was good. And so was Hitchhiker. I mean, you can't go wrong with good old zombie going, thanks for the ride, lady. (laughs) He got fucked up in that one like his face was just mangled mess i don't know how it was fucking still together towards the end there <laughs> right like how is his jaw hanging on like like i just i don't know and i'm just looking at the imdb for this movie and god the guy who played sam and chief Woodenhead. yeah he's uh definitely not indian looking good job of making him look that way for uh this segment but yeah it's just Let's look at this guy. Oh, he was in Fight Club? I did not know that. Oh, yeah, he's in one of my quote-unquote favorites, Alien 3, as well. <laughs> yeah, but either way, it looks like the guy's had a good career. Oh, uh, yeah, a little less than the first one, but still pretty damn good movie. <laughs> like I said, the series kind of continued, but goddamn, just what I see from Creep Show 3, it's just like... I I don't from what I've seen like the wraparound is like we don't even get like a creeper the animation in that one it's just like oh boy it's not the animation I don't think the animation in Creepshow Two is bad it's just so weird with just like how spastic the characters are but on the <laughs> Creepshow Three it's just bad computer effects and well Tom Savini actually considers this one movie Tales from the Dark Side a movie to be the actual creep show three and yeah maybe i can see that and i've seen that uh i can't remember like uh, uh like how long ago it was but it was decent and yeah i guess i can see why he'd be considerate creep show three because we got a little bit of a stephen king and george romero collaboration with one of the stories and that's I the think- one with like um fucking uh what's his name dexter's dad with the the gargoyle one right yeah, I think that I think that was him. Yeah, and it's got uh, freaking I can't remember his name. It's got uh, Deborah Harry from uh, Blondie as a witch in a wraparound story. Yeah, it's definitely a better one than Creep Show Three. And <laughs> I know I shouldn't really judge a movie that I haven't seen, but you know, just from the video stuff I've seen, I feel like I've seen enough. I mean. I've seen the movie. <laughs> there, there's just one. Did I talk about the one? I'm getting deja vu. Where like they, these two guys. I'm a professor. They have a mail order bride that they suspect of being a robot. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that to me. Yeah, okay. The one where a guy's haunted by a ghost of a of a beggar who choked on a hot dog. <laughs> like, oh, choked on a hot dog. Wow, that's Ooh, scary. <laughs> and uh, another one where this woman's got a remote and it's it's like changes like real life. So kind of like a horror movie version of Click, but this is like 
at first changes her families into different ethnic groups. And at the end of the story, she ends up being turned into a bunny. It's just like, yeah, I mean, just from what I'm telling you, you you know this movie's fucking bad. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. And, you know, now we've got the TV series, which is uh, carrying on the uh, legacy of Creepshow. And I say it's doing it pretty well. Yeah, there's uh, only eight episodes. I I don't remember if they filmed season two when it's coming out or if it was announced that there's a season two. Or, I, I, know, I know something happened with the season two. Yeah, I guess I'll have to research that, but let's just take a break now and discuss next time. we've been gone for so long we forgot that we had a piece of feedback <laughs> whoops <laughs> good thing we remembered just the last minute 
though, yeah, after taking a few episodes off, good old Ballsack is back. So let's hear what we has to say. What's going on, Jake and the Fat Man? Oh, fuck, wrong podcast. Uh, what's going on, unlistenable fucktard? Oh, wrong goddamn name again. Uh, what, is, what is it? Unholy fucktards? Unholy mofo? I don't know. I'm still fucking around, goddammit. I'm just busy. Very fucking busy, and I'm not real happy about it. So, no, I have not left you feedback. I'm a busy motherfucker sometimes. Not very often, but sometimes, goddammit. Back off. You know, it's ball sack. Ha ha. Fucktards. Jakey, Jakey. What's up, Scotty? Yeah, that's right. I just made you guys talk to the podcast. The Watch. I enjoy that fucking movie. I don't know. I guess Scott, Scotty's going a little crazy, giving it the best, but it is pretty fucking good. I'll give it that. I'll, I'll let you slide on this one, Scotty, since you, you do like it at least. And you actually watched it, I'm guessing. Now for the other fucking movie, Paul. Holy shit. Paul is amazing. But you really, really only get more out of Paul if you're a true nerd and, like, know a shit ton of pop culture from the 80s and shit like that. I got so much more out of that fucking movie that I had to keep whispering shit to who I was there with just because I'm laughing and they're looking like, What was that about? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I hang around some really dumb people, too, so it's all good fucking creep show one and two thank goodness you're not doing three they're good i like anthology movies especially when you get good stories to go along with them and it only takes one story that's a good catch the raft holy shit i don't know if it was just because i seen it when i was like a teenager or i was going through puberty or what but God damn it, I remember the raft so goddamn good because it, it, it probably jerked up my whole jerking off fantasy uh, lifestyle. Because that, that chick who gets laid down at the end and boobs get exposed and then she gets pulled through the raft. I mean, it was tough to jerk off to, but I did it. I did it quite a few times. Oh shit, I might be confessing too much. All right, well, uh, fuck off. All right, uh, <laughs> thanks, Balsack. <laughs> uh, yeah, so okay. Yeah, Balsack says he likes to watch, and I think Scott was a little too crazy with his rating, but uh, he gives them a pass for that. You know, it, it is what it is. And Paul, yeah, I I caught majority of those references, and that like, okay, obviously the ones with Sigourney Weaver were a little easier. And uh, man, there's uh, something we forgot, like uh. Of course, uh, Jason Bateman's character was called, well, you know, he was called Soil, and then we learned that his uh, first name was Lorenzo. It was like, what? Your name is Lorenzo Soil? I've heard of that title before. I, I think I mostly heard it because, like, Earthworm Jim Games, like, had uh, one level called Lorenzo Soil, which is actually a pun based on a movie called Lorenzo's oil and considering it was being referenced in a sci-fi movie i was like this is a sci-fi movie right and i checked up uh nope it's a drama about a dying kid so yeah not what i expected and uh yeah he likes uh creep show one and two and yeah even ball sex like thank god you didn't do three <laughs> <laughs> and uh gets a little too uh confessing a little too much when you talk about his experience with the raft <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure if you showed this movie to a bunch of preteen boys, you know, that you'd get the same effect. Yeah, probably. And then again, Balsack <laughs> likes those August Underground movies too. So, <laughs> what else would we expect from good old Balsack? Uh, yep. <laughs> well, thank you, Balsack. Uh, hope to hear from you again really soon. And uh, I got a feeling, Balsack, you might have seen our next subject. Because what is on the uh, plans for next time? Well, you know, we just did some horror, even though it's like more horror comedy in some parts. Yeah. But we're going to go back to comedy because why not? It's our show. We can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> right. Well, let's just say we're probably going to light it up for next time because we're talking about some stoner legends. No, we're not talking about freaking Harold and Kumar. <laughs> yeah, I wish they made more of those movies, but uh, that's not who we're talking about, though. We're talking about older than Harold and Kumar. No, not Smokey or Craig. And not Jay and Silent Bob. We're talking about Cheech and Chong here. <laughs> this should be some uh, some fun times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I, <laughs> I haven't seen all those movies, but I've seen a few of them, and goddamn, are they funny as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes they are man you know I gotta say I think Tommy Sean has to be living proof that marijuana expands your life expectancy because guy's 70 years old and still fucking token it up <laughs> dude he's he's played like the same character for like ever yeah even in that 70s show. <laughs> he was fucking... He was gone in that show. <laughs> oh, my favorite uh, moment with him in that... He's like, I saw a UFO once. that football game. Released all these papers saying I was going to have a good year. Wait a second. That was a terrible year. Stupid aliens. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. Should save my Chong impression for next time, but I'll I'll work on my Cheech impression for next time, people. Uh, yeah, it's not gonna be offensive or anything. <laughs> <laughs> can't promise it'll be good either. <laughs> Should be fun. So, yeah. if you have any thoughts on Creepshow One and Two or the first two Cheech and Chong movies, write us on HolyMofos at gmail dot com. Or I'm at Jake the Snake 54 on Twitter, even though I don't really use that that much these days, but it's still there. I'm at Brother underscore Scout one. Yep. So, Jason Zhang, what you have to look forward to. So, until Up in Smoke and next movie, peace out. Later, fuckers. And regrets and charity laced with a lie.